Listener Production. We acknowledge the lands and waters and skies of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the First Nations across the continent have never ceded sovereignty, and our ancestors are the first lawmakers. Welcome back to another episode of Black Matters, a podcast that's about First Nations matters and most importantly, why they matter. My name is MC from the Hit Radio Network and joining me as she does every single week, land rights lawyer, First Nations advocate, Wiradjuri and Walwan woman and friend of over 20 years. How many years is it? Oh, Teela Reid, firstly. Welcome, Yama. welcome back. How many years exactly? Is it, you reckon? Well, it's been 20 years this year since we finished school, so definitely oh, longer so than we 20 met years. In, I, don't, I don't want to age myself, but we were in year seven in 1998. Yeah, that's a while ago. I can't, I can't do the maths. What's 1998 to 2023? How many years is, is that? Is that 27 years? It's a lot of years. It's a lot of years. Yeah. And yet somehow we can be locked in what is essentially a giant fishbowl and somehow get on. So that's great. Friendships stand the test of time. This week, a big week as we move closer to this referendum later in the year in having a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution of Australia with the referendum bill passing in the Senate. My first question is, I thought, and we're going to get a little legal here for a second, so I apologise, but just so this is crystal clear, because it can be at times a rather confusing process. I thought the referendum was a thing and was happening. Why did it have to be voted on? So in order to trigger a formal referendum process and for the campaign proper to commence, the legislation that is to change the constitution in relation to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice had to pass both houses. So it went through the lower house first and that was a little while ago and this was the final tick of approval before we moved to setting a date. Look, this is the moment that it happened in parliament this week. I declare that the Senate has passed the constitutional alteration Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice 2023 by an absolute majority, the ayes 52 and the noes 19. I call the part. A bill enacted to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. So my first question is, who was the second bloke and why was he repeating what the first person said? And also, what is a Senate and how does this all fit in? Because it's all very confusing for someone that knows very little about politics, such as myself. So the lower house is really, you know, the House of Representatives, the people that we elect, the the legislators, essentially. And anything that gets through that house needs to also be checked and balanced and passed by the upper house, the Senate. So in relation to this historic moment, which it was, it got passed by, you know, 52 to 19 for and against. And the officials within that house put on the record the words of the legislation and what's being passed at that moment. As is often the case when it comes to politics in every country, there was a lot of mudslinging leading up to that moment where it was about to get the final tick of approval. Just just when you saw this, when it was passed and the politicians are all standing up and applauding and giving themselves a pat on the back, how did that make you feel as a First Nations woman? 
So I was actually watching it live from home in my live stream and I'd watched some of the commentary leading into that moment, the speech by Pauline Hanson and other senators, Senator Thorpe, everyone having kind of their last comments in relation to this legislation. And I think in that moment, one of the things that really got me was I was imagining many other historic times in our past, you know, when people are sitting in the gallery and the galleries overwhelmingly feel a sense of relief and happiness in those moments. I felt actually a little bit different. Why is that? I felt that, I felt a little bit of a the weight of history yep. in that moment and, and tension um, within which I think hasn't been there in these other big moments. Is that because the weight's not being lifted off anyone's shoulders because now the race is officially set to be run? This is now officially mm. the starting point as opposed to, oh, we're finally there. This is just the next step in what will be a number of steps before we head to the ballot box later this year. Yeah, absolutely. The hard work just starts for the nation now. It is official that the there's no coming back from this moment. Yeah, it's happening. It is happening. Um, And while, you know, when Albanese government came into um, power, there was the promise of a referendum, but it needed to get it through both houses. And here we are having that moment and seeing lots of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who actually are very familiar faces to me sitting in the gallery. I just felt a little bit like, okay, now it's, it's game on. Now, a lot of politicians, as you said, they spoke before that moment when the bill was passed. A lot have spoken after it was passed. Uh, here's what the PM Albanese had to say. Today, our parliament has said yes to holding a referendum. Now, the Australian people will have a chance to say yes to reconciliation and yes to constitutional recognition of First Nations people. And I say to my fellow Australians... Parliaments pass laws, but it is people who make history. Reaction to Albo? There's a few things in there. He didn't have the same emotion that he's had in the past when mm-hmm. he speaks about this issue, yep. you know. There's been times before within which... He's got brought, really emotional. Yeah, it's brought him to tears. In many ways, that has been a refreshing thing for the nation to see, given that we've had coalition governments, which certainly weren't emotional about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues. I feel like those words and kind of that declaration now that it's officially up to the people, I think that's because everyone knows now that there is a a level of risk that comes with this. At the end of the day, um, the power is in the people's hands, whether they vote yes or no to this. And if you have never voted in a referendum, it's very different to when you go to a ballot box and kind of put your numbers in. Mm -hmm. You've literally got to write yes or no, the words. Standing at the podium beside the Prime Minister in that moment after the bill was passed in the Senate was Minister for Indigenous Affairs. This was what Linda Burney had to say. It's on. One step closer to unifying Australia and making a great country even greater. Today, the political debate ends. Today, we can start a national conversation at the community level. 
about what a voice is, why it's needed, and how it will make a practical difference. Do we really think this is where the political debates will end? Do we really think that's the last we'll hear from politicians on this? Absolutely not. (laughs) Like, politicians are totally kidding themselves if they think the political debate (laughs) is going to end. And I think, you know, it's another example of political rhetoric. But also I think shifting of responsibility. Like It's out of our hands. Good luck. It's out of our hands. Good luck now. Bye, people. Like, you know, get on the referendum road. I just think it's nonsense that they're going to be quiet about this issue now. So the official vote before the moment was passed through the Senate, it was 52 yes versus Mm. 19 no. What does this mean? Well, I think you've got to clarify. It's 52 for and 19 against. against. And so they can't be divided into, say, for example, the 52 that voted for the passing of the bill are also 52 campaigning, yes. That's not the case. So that has no impact on who's going to be campaigning for what. It's just 52 people agreed to have the referendum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so that's an absolute majority. I think that's that demonstrates a really good, strong democracy that we live in, that while some people might be openly campaigning in different ways, that they have supported the fact that this is a task, you know, in order to stick to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice being enshrined in the constitution, well, ultimately, we do have to have this formal referendum process play out. So now we're at this point. There's obviously a lot that needs to happen between now and when this actual referendum is held. What begins from this point? What is the process from here on in and what happens next? Yes, that's a great question. So the passing of the bill has triggered a limitation time within which the government, by the rules, have to put to the people of Australia the referendum question at the ballot box between around three to six months, absolutely, within that window. So we're looking at an October or early November uh, referendum. Kind of we get through the tough months of winter, we come out of that a bit more optimistic and a bit more kind of ready to activate our civic rights. Yeah, so it'll be be around, I I imagine, October, November, early, um, and certainly before Christmas. It also sets in motion the fact that now politicians um, have to formally create the yes case and Mm -hmm. the no case. And the law says that they get to write a pamphlet of no more than 2,000 words for each case that they're making for the yes case, for the no case. And this comes back to, if you're imagining the Senate now, the way in which people voted for or against. So you can only nominate to be part of writing, for example, the yes case if you were four in within that 52. Yep. You can only then as well nominate to be part of the writing of the no case right. if you voted against. Which is why there would have been plenty of people saying, yes, we want to hold a referendum because they want to be a part of that pamphlet as to why we should vote no. Well, certainly, you know, Senator Lydia Thorpe would be an example of holding really strongly her line on being against the referendum and that puts her in a position to also be part of 
the writing of the no case. It feels like such an old school way of doing things. You've now you've now got permission to write a pamphlet. What is this mm. a piece of paper that's going to be dropped in our letterboxes? What is it a symbol or literally it's a paper pamphlet literally. that they're now going to work on? It's so interesting that you raised that because these laws Why not send are a actually... DM? They could work on the DM that gets slid into everyone's inboxes, not a pamphlet. Because we haven't had a referendum for so long, like pre-social media era, I would even say probably even pre before many of us were quite accustomed to using emails and things like that. So this actual legislation is a bit outdated. And in fact, as as an advocate in this space, I certainly know that there was campaigning done to try and remove those rules within within the law because lots of campaigners say, look, there isn't no yes case and there isn't no no case. In fact, there should just be an education campaign on the issue. Mm -hmm. So when they so we're left with formal pamphlets. A pamphlet. I'm just worried that the pamphlets are going to get mixed up with the local Sparky that's trying to give you his deal on the latest air conditioning unit, and you're just going to chuck it straight in the recycling. Imagine copping a DM from someone going, "Hey, here's what's happening later this year." Surely there's a a slightly Mm. more 2023 version than a letterbox drop. Well, I think there's like actually probably more real life critical examples. So imagine this. Imagine if you're an Aboriginal elder who doesn't have access to the internet, who lives in regional Australia, and the only actual information they get to their house is these formal campaign pamphlets that set out, you know, a yes and a no case. Like, that would be, I think, pretty confusing for a generation of people who, who as well are not observing probably what our generation is, millennial mm-hmm. generation, um, the conversation also online. And not only that, I think that, you know, one of my arguments as well prior to all of this was it's so important to make sure that we try and fight for that education campaign because once it gets into mailboxes, it finds its way into schoolyards. Yep. And so I think the collateral effect of this. So when politicians say, you know, this is a now time to leave parliament and up to the people, it's absolutely undeniable that they're going to cause more problems. It is going to be a stressful few months for Australia Post workers all around the country who are tasked with delivering these pamphlets to everybody. So what happens now? We've got the pamphlets written, they go out. What are we going to see online, on TV? Is this going to get uglier? What are the next steps for the yes and no campaigns? How will this play out? Prior to this week, I think many Australians will be aware that there are also campaigns happening outside of the formal government processes. So these are the official government campaigns that can now kick off? Yeah, as a result of the legislation. So, you know, there's been a movement post-2017 when the Uluru Statement was issued to the Australian people of campaigners, advocates, activists talking about this issue. I saw a new campaign, like Yes 23, there's one for that. There is a no case they are, I guess you would say, community funded. Yep. And I think that's what politicians probably mean when they say it's up to people now, which is to mobilise the resources they have within their power to campaign for how they wish to campaign. As we've said on this podcast before, uh, whether you vote yes, whether you vote no, it is not for us to tell you which way you need to take this when you're standing there at the ballot box. Just make sure you inform yourself. Yeah. Make sure you know what you're voting for and just make sure that decision, whichever way you decide to go, is an informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as Time goes on and we get closer to the ballot box. 
I think it's really important. We'll have a yarn about unpacking the yeah. the question mm-hmm. and the amendment and what is it that that people are talking about because government the government continually changed their messaging. It was all about the voice at one point. Now they're retransitioning to recognition. And the truth is the amendment itself, what is to be inserted into the constitution is is almost in two parts. Like the first part is about the recognition aspect and the, the second part is about practically enabling a principle to set up the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. However, all the powers to make um, the legislation and detail within that is left to the parliament. Yeah. In regards to these pamphlets and the official campaigns moving forward, are there like rules about telling the truth and there are guidelines in terms of what they can and can't say? In order to monitor the information being disseminated in this campaign by the many different campaigns, community campaigns are about to get government campaigns, you can actually make uh, an official complaint to the Australian Electoral Commission in relation to if you think someone is spreading misinformation. That's one of the mechanisms. Unfortunately, in Australia, because our infrastructure around referendums is is so poor. This is this is also one of the issues that we've come across in advocating for a referendum is the fact that so many of the rules processes are also outdated. Like for example, even trying to make sure that all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are on the Australian Electoral Commission in order to vote is an enormous task. Um, when you think about the many different community groups across the continent, it's certainly something that we've been extraordinarily aware of from the beginning. And while that might be one mechanism through the AEC or the Australian Electoral Commission to identify or make a complaint about the spread of misinformation, there's clearly a very, probably, I would say, a bigger issue in in the media around the narratives told about the voice itself and the misinformation. I would love for you listening to be able to cast a critical eye over the information that you're absorbing during this time because it's certainly um, an issue that is probably actually about to be amplified and get much worse in the spread of misinformation. Now, we like to finish each episode here at Black Matters with a First Nations word because I'm assuming that, that you could be listening to this podcast right now going, I've actually never really heard a First Nations word, because language matters as well. What's our word this week? What are we thinking? So I've recently wrote a poem, and it's going to be officially launched in August. Okay, I'm an ambassador great. for... I've now got to change the intro to the bloody podcast. She's a land rights <laughs> lawyer, <laughs> advocate, and poet. What can't she do? I've introduced some new words as well into this poem. And so I'm going to leave with this one today, which is... Yire Bagara. Yire Bagara. And that means sunrise. How lovely. Where's this poem going to go, by the way? Give it a plug. Um, so I'm an ambassador for Red Room Poetry. They're an awesome collective of artists and poets and writers who reached out to me um, because if you don't already follow Black Collar Book Club, you better follow On Instagram, now. give it a plug. 
Um, it's the Instagram handle that myself and my friend Marinda Dutton uh, Gumbangi and Barkindji Lawyer run. And we just share lots of different stories by First Nations um, storytellers. And we honor the fact that our ancestors are the original storytellers. And so Red Room just reached out to me um, to be an ambassador. So looking forward to Poetry Month in August and we'll talk about that. And there is nothing more beautiful than waking up in the morning and seeing the first light of a Yire Bagara. Did I get it right? Yire Bagara. This has been another episode of Black Matters. As always, to your notes, it's been a pleasure. Yalu. Yeah,